I'm just a kid from Marseille with a dream. I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm not comfortable. In my head, I still haven't made it. That's why I keep going, and this is my mindset. All of a sudden, I'm on private jets playing in Romania in front of 15,000 people. Obviously, winning the Grammy was crazy. Talk about the transition into movies. You've done four movies. It was it was amazing, amazing experience. I am more focused. I'm, I'm getting better sleep. It changed my life. I mean, one thing that I can say is I don't get sick anymore. Better energy. I'm 44 now, and I feel like I'm 20 years old. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ultimate Human Podcast. I'm your host, human biologist, Gary Brecka, where we go down the road of everything anti-aging, longevity, bio-optimization, and everything in between. Today is a really uh, special day for me. I know I say that a lot on my podcast, but it's a really, really special day for me because I have a guest on that I'm, I'm proud to call a personal friend. Uh, he's become a very close friend of mine over the last few years, uh, as has his wife, and his family, and he is a Grammy award-winning artist. He's one of those artists that you go, I don't know if I've heard of that guy, and then as soon as you hear the song, you go, oh yeah, I know that song, and uh, I've listened to that song, I've danced to that song. But he's a Grammy award-winning artist. He's worked with the greatest of the great, Lenny Kravitz, Lana Del Rey. Um, he's been in a number of movies with actors that you all know, like Mark Wahlberg. We just talked about four movies that he was in right before we started the cameras rolling. He is an icon in his industry, a music legend. Trust me when I tell you, you know his music if you don't know his name. We're going to get to know him today. So welcome to the podcast, Cedric Gervais. Great to have you on, my brother. Thanks for having me, brother. Um, we, we've had an incredible personal journey ourselves over the last two years, which yeah. I want to get to, um, which is, um, you know, we always talk about, you know, the impact of optimal health on the podcast. And so I want to talk a little bit about you know, the blood work that we've done, the gene mm -hmm. work that we've done, the supplementation, your routine and things like that. But I really want the listeners to get a chance to to know you because, uh, you know, we were introduced by Dave Grutman. Yes, about, about two years ago. About two years ago. Yeah. And um, uh, so shout out to Dave Grutman. But since that time, you know, I've, I've really actually gotten to know a lot about your career. Um, you know, you're French, which everybody will notice here in a few minutes. <laughs> and... Um, you started your career at 19 in the music scene. So, you know, walk me through the start of your music career and kind of building all of its this momentum up to the point where you actually won a Grammy Award. Yeah, so I'm, I'm from Marseille, south of France. Okay. So I started when I was 15 years old. I, w I got into electronic music. That was my passion. And I started going to shows and seeing artists such as Daft Punk, Laurent Garnier, Carl Cox, all this, these guys that I was going to rave as a kid raves right yeah and and i remember the moment i saw daft punk uh, performing live that's when i went home and i was like that's what i want to do i was 15 years old so i went out and i bought some at the time techniques uh you know turntables and they were vinyls, really turntables real back turntables, then too. a mixer and i remember i set it up in a basement of my grandmother's house and i start dj mixing for like six hours a day after school, I was mm. like DJing, DJing. I would go out of record store, buying the record because at the time we didn't have any internet, right. no phones, cell phones, no internet, so no, no audience, no audience, <laughs> nothing. So, 
the only way to find, uh, you know, you had to call from the home main line, your friends, and let's meet at the record store and let's go find out what's the hottest music right now. So we'll go to the record store, spend days in there and listening, asking the guy that was selling records, what is the hottest thing? And they would give us the, the record and then go back home and start mixing those records. So I, th that was 15 years old. And so I arrived in Miami, I was 19 years old. Uh, a friend of mine. So hold on, you leave France. So basically I was, I, I started in Saint-Tropez at this club called the Papagayo. And my father would drive me every weekend. I had a residency. I was so happy. I was like, stop playing there. You're not and, even legal age yet. No, it's not even a legal age. Right. So I start DJing at this club. I get the residency. I'm very excited. And one night I remember they, they brought this mega club from Paris called the Queen. Hmm. Used to be a gay club in Paris, but it was the number one music scene club in France. Everybody hmm. would look up to this club, right? Hmm. All the DJs. And they did the Queen night. And I remember the guy that owned the club was there and heard me play. And it's like, this kid is very good. We got to bring him up to Paris. Mm. So I get the residency at the Queen of Paris. I get excited. I moved to Paris. I got this time, I'm 17 years old. When I get to Paris, I do my first show, very excited, just moved to Paris. And the government decided to shut down every club, every bars for drugs in Paris and the whole city <laughs> for good. No. We don't know when they're going to reopen. I show up there. I just got an apartment. I'm excited. I did one show. Everything shuts down in Paris. You're kidding me. No. So a friend of mine at the time, Dimitri Franslay, uh, that was living in Miami, goes, listen, just come to this place called Miami. I never traveled in my life. I don't know where the United States is. I don't speak a word of English. You don't even English. know where it is on a map. No. You don't even speak English. I don't even speak. I, I, I know how to say hello yeah. at the time. So... <laughs> He goes, come to, come to Miami with me on vacation. And then when everything settled down in Paris, you go back to Paris, you start your residency again. I go to Miami, clubs are still closed. I show up to the city. I remember I was he was living at the Grand in downtown. This, this, that was the only building at the time, the Double Tree Hotel. Okay. And they, the Miami skyline, there was nothing, not, no Miami Heat Arena, no buildings, like maybe three wow. or four buildings at the time. It was like very, it was very dangerous to be in downtown at the mm -hmm. time. And I just remember I landed in the city and I was like this feeling, I was like, this is home for me. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. Really? So I, 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 I got here and he hooked me up with a party at the time with a friend of his called Daniel Ursch, mm -hmm. um, a Switzerland guy. He did um, a party at his house. And at the time, the club that was popping was called the Living Room with the Milan Brothers. I, I remember yes. the Living Room. Yeah, the Eric, Eric Milan. And so I got hired by this guy. I played this party, and, and that night, everybody stayed at the house. Nobody went to the Living Room. So the owner freaked out. It's like, what's going on? And the promoter's like, well, we were at Daniel's party. Everybody's there. And this DJ was so good, everybody stayed until the end. So the owner, Francis, goes, go get me this kid. Where are him now? So yeah. I became the resident of the Living Room right away from Monday to Sunday. Wow. So then at that time, I was like, there's no need for me to go back to Paris. I think I'm going to be here. I'm going to stay in Miami. So they made my visa, everything. And at the age of 19, I started having a residency in Miami. That's how I started. Wow. That's, that is a ballsy move. Yeah. Because you don't speak English. You've never been to Miami. No. Um, it wasn't, uh, like you said, it wasn't particularly safe town at the time. No, it was not um, safe at the time. No. And, and then, you know, I think the scene has kind of shifted, you know, downtown. But um, but you, 
you were on Miami Beach. That's where the that's yeah, where the was, music scene Miami really Beach was. was the, the scene was in Miami Beach at the time when I got there. So you start so you start DJing at this um, you start DJing at this club. You get this residency, and when do you start really? producing music that people are going to know about because at that time you weren't really recording so music i mean it, it was a process it's basically i was djing at that time i was djing i was trying to you know establish a life in miami right you're like making money getting an apartment and this is other people's thing. music you're playing yeah i'm playing other people's music yeah. i'm not even producing yet i'm just like djing like the art of djing right making right. people dance I, at the time it's like if you didn't make people dance the owner will fire you from the club. Right, right, so it's right. Like, there's no, people were not showing up to see me. People were not, I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I was just the DJ making sure people are dancing and if they did not, I will get fired. Okay. So what everything started for me is when I start moving to Crowbar, mm. right? Uh, this, so bigger club. this mega club open yeah. in Miami called Crowbar. And that's when they start bringing international DJs. Mm. Right, so I became the resident of that club. That's when I start getting interested in producing music. So I was saving my money, buying uh, gears, computers, mm -hmm. keyboards, everything, and learning how to produce the art of producing. Right. So at that time, I bought everything. I start making my first song. I make a first song uh, called "Burning" at the time, and the ANR of Ultra Record, David Waxman, shout mm -hmm. out to David Waxman. Um, came to play. He was one of the DJ coming to play at Crowbar. I remember I came in, I made the song Burning, I gave it to him as a CD at the time, and I went home, and my number was on it. I, I, so I, you burned your own CD? Burned my own CD, first song. the song is on it, first song ever produced. I give him the CD, I go home. The next day he calls me, he goes, hey uh, man, this song is amazing. I'm signing you to Ultra Record for an album deal. Yeah. What? Yeah, that was awful. Oh, what your first song my that first you ever song. produced? Yeah, yeah. Ever produced? He, he signed me up. I got signed up with one of the biggest, uh, um, uh, David Waxman, Patrick Moxie, uh, the owner of Ultra Record, uh, and and this is it. So now I have wow. to produce an album. And how old are you now? So you're 20 because you move here when you're. It 19. was like 20. Uh, yeah, I was 20, 22, maybe 23. Okay. I don't, I don't remember okay. exactly. It was such a long time ago. Yeah. So I make this first single, first single comes out. This is when I first starting to produce music. Then I start getting into making albums and everything. But my career really took off when I made the move to space. Wow. I became the resident of space on the terrace. Okay. Uh, and, and that was for me, uh, working with Louis Puig, you yeah. know, the owner of space was, a, um, first of all, made me a better DJ because I had to play for long hours. I would play inside of space from midnight to five and then i had to go on oh the terrace God. yeah to six to like close maybe three or four in the afternoon long sets like this hold on right? so midnight to 5 a.m then you shift to another terrace and then you're Correct. playing until three yeah. o'clock in the afternoon so it was like yeah and and the same thing lewis if you're not on point you get fired right right and i'm still like you know what i mean no but like people will show up to the club because of space they're not showing up for the djs you right. know but then i got to be around amazing djs right mm. At the time, like everybody would play there, like Deep Dish, Sander Kleinenberg, uh, Danny Taneglia, Eric Moello, Charlotte mm. Ray Moello, you know, rest in peace. And uh, um, I remember I played with Deep Dish, Sharam and Ali Dubfire. And Sharam was like, this kid is pretty good. I think we need to sign him on, wow. on our label. So, but and, you're on a label now because you. Well, I'm on the label. They yeah. wanted to sign me with their agency ah. called Booted Booking at the time. 
So what they did is they signed me, and all of a sudden it's like I'm this kid playing in Miami on the plane opening for Deep Dish, which at the time was the biggest band in the world, right? Wow. The biggest band. So I'm opening for them worldwide. So I'm all of a sudden, I'm on private jets with them. Right. Flying the world, playing in Romania in front of 15,000 people, playing in Dublin at the Oxygen Festival. Wow. Uh, it's crazy. So, and, and they signed me on the agency. But one thing Shoram always told me is like, listen, we're opening you up to the world right now. Mm. But now it's up to you to put the work in, make music, because when you're going to go on your own, now you need to connect with people and have your own career. Right. Because it's easy to go with this massive artist. Yeah, and somebody open. puts the people in the room. And Correct. You just There's show a lot up. of people in the right. room. They don't know who you are. You're playing good music. Great. Now you got to connect to these people. You got to make music. Right. right. So he always told me. That's why I kept producing, kept making music. And all of a sudden, made my first record, Molly, which became, Molly. Yeah, became a big <laughs> sensation Appropriately worldwide. Appropriately named, yeah. Yeah. And that was the first record that, you know, uh, the whole controversy with Dead Mouse, Madonna coming on stage, shouting out the record for me because I worked with her in New York on her album. Um, so she promoted, there was this big controversy, the record became big. And after that, on the back of that, I did Summertime Sadness. That changed my life, basically. Summertime Sadness. So whatever happened to Burning, that, the very original so burning, one? Yeah. That so go back to Burning. My first record came out. A lot of underground DJ, such as Steve Lawler, uh, were pushing the record. Uh, I, was, I was freaking out. It, the record was getting charted. A lot of people were playing it. Then on the back of that, I did two albums with them. Uh, one song that I did that really connected was called Spirit in My Life mm -hmm. uh, on one of the albums. So it was like a progression of me learning how to make music and trying to like, you know, figure out how to make this. Yeah. So it did well, but not as a very commercial level. Right. It put my name out there. Like the cool DJs were playing my music. Some people were connecting some songs, but there was no very, not a lot of very commercial success yet. Yeah. yeah. So what brought you together with... Um because you, you won the Grammy for the Lana Del Rey record yes. with, with Summertime Sadness, which is a great song, by the way. I actually played it right before the podcast um, to get in the mood. But what led you to Lana, and how did that working relationship come together? And uh, is there ever a time when you're producing when you say, this is it? Like, there's that actually, it I, I, To be honest with you, you never know. No. No, you never know. So the way it came in is like, basically I was doing all this music before on my own, no management, just an agency for touring because Deep Dish signed me to this agency. So I had no management. I was doing everything on my own. Mm. So at one point I get a manager, Luke Allen, my manager, a red light management. They signed me in and we start working and we start. Uh, so when we get the, when we get Molly, I'm already with management. So they see Molly is going on. We're getting a buzz. Mm -hmm. So at the time, my manager was friend with the manager of Lana Del Rey. So they had this idea of, you know, doing this record, Summertime Sadness. So Luke came in. He's like, listen, I have this amazing vocal. You need to remix the song right now. And it was like, it's funny because I'm a huge fan of the song. Yeah. I was actually thinking about doing a bootleg of this song for myself to play my set. Really? Yeah. So I did the song, finished it on the way to Orlando, EDC Orlando. And the first time I played it was at EDC Orlando. And I remember the reaction of the crowd was insane. Everybody was singing the song. And the next day on social media, it was going crazy. Really? That's when my management's like, we have a big one. Yeah. But not to the level 
that it went. We have a right. big one. People are going to connect. DJs are going to play it. So the song went from playing in the festival to get released on Beatport, which is a, a, a DJ website where you go get all your music for the DJs, mm -hmm. being number one for multiple multiple weeks on, on Beatport. Wow. So we're happy. Like now right. I'm happy. I'm like, wow, all my DJ friends are playing. DJs are playing it. That's amazing. I yeah. made it. You're seen it at number one. It's, Great. it's probably amazing. your first big real hit. Yeah. So then a couple of the radios start playing it. Local radios, you know, uh, uh, DJ Mix Radio. I'm like, wow, it's playing on the radio. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? Like local radio, not Top 40 radio yet. Hey guys, I think the most important website you may ever go to is theultimatehuman.com. That's theultimatehuman.com because on this website, we can directly interact with one another. You can give me suggestions for podcast guests and topics that you'd like to see me cover. You can ask me any question that you'd like. More importantly, you can sign up for my entirely free newsletter. It comes out every single week. I write this so I can get the information to the masses on how to live a healthier, happier, longer, chemical-free life. You can also sign up for a pre-order of my book. And if you'd like to take the genetic test that I talk about all the time, it's available there too. And lastly, you can even see all of the products that I use in my daily life for a chemical-free, healthy living style. A lot of people ask me, you know, what do you use in your daily life, Gary? What do you brush your teeth with and clean your countertops with? Well, it's all there if you'd like to see it. And you can, again, ask me any question that you'd like and get my free newsletter theultimatehuman.com. I promise you that information will help change the trajectory of your life. And now back to the Ultimate Human podcast. We, at the time she was signed to Interscope Music and they didn't want to really, they, we, we saw that there was a momentum in the song and my manager would go to Interscope and be, you have to release the song like worldwide because this is the momentum we're having. No, we already released our album. We don't care about the song. So what I do is, at the time, John Amon was the, the A&R at um, Antiscope Records. So mm -hmm. what I do is I was playing in DC, all, uh, EDC Vegas, main stage at that time. Okay. So I flew him in from LA to EDC, and I played the song in front of him. And at the moment of the chorus, I shut the music off, and there was like 90,000 people singing the song. So he could see that. He can see that. So he saw it. He went back to LA, he called my manager, and he goes, next week, this song will be top 40 radio worldwide. No. Yeah. So following week, top 40 radio song in the United States. Dude, I'm getting yeah. goosebumps right yeah, now, it's going, man. This it's is going, like... It's going crazy. So now I have a top 40 radio, which... So people understand is when you have a top 40 radio record is when you break into the masses, right? Yeah. Because you have like DJ Mix Radio, which is, you know, BPM, Sirius XM, all these things. And then you have Top 40 Radio, mm. which is the masses. Now you're with a Taylor Swift, right. a Katy Perry, you know what I mean? And then they're playing your song, right? which you break into the masses. So that's massive. So then on the back of that, we sold 8.5 million single. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Eight and a half million singles. Like, yes, of the record. And you're record still worldwide. on this kind of meet. I mean, you're still a really chugging along in your music career. I mean, you, you've you've accomplished a lot, but I mean, this is this is like a parabolic. This is the tipping. Point. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I, and I remember <laughs> it was so crazy because we were number one on on, on iTunes. And and I remember my boy Stevie Oki. One time he comes to live and he goes. Man, I can't get rid of you. I keep looking at the chart and you're number one on this thing. Yeah. I keep like, this is crazy. I'm like, so that was all nuts for me because I never expected that. Like when I made yeah. this song, seriously, when I made this song, I made it 
and I was thinking about my DJ friends playing the song, and I was happy with it. I was like, oh, my friends are playing it. You know, yeah. DJs are playing it. When I walk in the club, the DJs play it. That, that yeah. was it. I was not thinking about it's going to be a, a, like a commercial hit. It's going to be on the radio. I'm going to win a Grammy. It's like I was not thinking like that Yeah. at all. And then after on the back of that, it, the nomination for the Grammy and obviously winning the Grammy was crazy. That must have been like, talk about that moment for a minute, you know, accepting a Grammy award. Like you're sitting there. How many other songs were nominated? It was category? Alesso with uh, uh, One Direction, uh, Bob Marley, Bruno Mars, and I forgot Those something else. Massive names. Yeah, yeah, massive names. Massive yeah. names. Yeah. And so... um because I always wondered what it would be like, you know, I always watch the Grammys, what it would be like sitting in that audience and, you know, they read your names with the nominations and then when they tear that envelope open and yeah. they're like, you, and, and you don't your face, summertime sadness. Yeah. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit, <laughs> my life is going to change. I know. I remember when they called my name, uh, I, I just walked to that stage. I had no idea what I was going to say. I was like, in my head, I was like. What am I going to tell those people? What did right you now? say? I got to go no back idea. and look I was that like, up. We need to find that and play it as B-roll yeah, no, on the podcast. It, the, the speech is out there. This is amazing. I never thought doing this remix I'm going to be standing here today. So all I wanted, my DJ friend to play the record, and I was cool with that. Thank you very much. I'm just a kid from Marseille with a dream. I'm not even supposed to be here, so thank you. I'm just like, I had no idea what to say, and I just walk in there. But the thing is with the Grammys is you ne you don't know until the last second you're there. You know, some of those award shows, you already know you're going to win. Yeah. Your PR telling you and this and that, so you know what I mean? The Grammys, you don't know. You, you legit have no idea to the know. last second. You have no idea that they open this envelope. You have no idea. And so you're, you're up there, dude. You take that stage. I mean, that moment has got to be... I remember my first public speaking moment and it was only a few hundred people in the crowd and i i almost you know you i froze and i almost felt like i was gonna yeah piss myself you know yeah i know and um and your voice starts cracking but you get up there they hand you this award mm -hmm. um and what do you do you remember what you said do you do you remember that, that yeah moment? I, remember, I mean i thank everybody that was part of the project you know what i mean i worked with other people uh, I work with my boy Carlos Sid on the record, which uh, it's an artist that I started with uh, and now is doing very well. I'm very proud of him. Uh, um, I thank my manager, my agent, everybody. And then at the end, I remember there was this speech from LeBron James that stood to my head, right? When we won the championship in Miami, he just said, I'm just a, a boy, uh, I'm just a kid, I'm just a kid from Akron. I'm not even supposed to be here, right? Yeah. And I remember sitting on the floor looking at him saying that and it, and it stood in my mind. So I said, I'm just a kid from Marseille with a dream. I'm not even supposed to be here. Yeah. That's what I said, because I remember LeBron James. So, Dude, I get goosebumps, yeah. man, just so hearing that. That. That, was, that, was, that was surreal. That was a crazy moment. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm so um, enthralled by the human experience, you know, meaning, like you said, you said something to me before the podcast. You said anyone can have a moment, um, but not everyone can have a career. Correct. And I think that, you know, you hit this pinnacle, this parabolic rise. You accept the Grammy, and uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you accept the Grammy award. And now, how do you keep your career from just going downhill after that? It's like how I'm always fascinated by the athletes that don't just win one championship, by the UFC fighter that holds a belt for for yeah. several years, by by a Tom Brady that dominates the league um, and goes to the Super Bowl so many times, even though he's already you know, won that prize. Mm -hmm. So 
Tell me about how you find inspiration in your career after winning. Well, a actually, actually, what I did is I got lost for a year mm. because you're trying to replicate the same thing, and you try now. Now, when I was telling you that I was doing this without thinking about it, and I did it with the passion and the love, right? Right. Now you're doing it, thinking about it, and you want to replicate exactly the same thing, and that's when you get lost. Mm. That's what you do. You make music that you don't want to make. Right, because you're trying to. Because hard. now you sign to big labels, now you have big record deals, and now you have to please them and try to do exactly what Summertime Sanders said. Right. And that's what I got lost. And the pressure's on. And the pressure is on. So that's why I couldn't do anything. I was making records that I didn't like mm. to trying to please them, and nothing was working. And then you, it takes you a year or two. It took me two years. And it's then you go get back. It's inside your head a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's inside your head. And then you go, go back and you say, you know what? My manager told me, go back to making music for your friends and, and, and record that you want to play in your sets. Mm. And that's what I did. And that's when I did a record called Do It Tonight. Uh, I redid this uh, SOS band, um, I know Do It song. Tonight. And, yeah. and the song did amazing, blew up. Uh, got t it was the, the song of Monday Night Football, uh, Touchdown. It was on. Uh, Charlie's Angel movie, we got picked up with so many things and, and everyone in the world were playing the song and charted. So this is what I'm saying. I, I did this song again for me, for myself yeah. to play it for my, my friends. So I got lost for like two years. Wow. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. You know, um, I saw an interview with Dana White the other day and he's, he's a close friend of mine as well. And he talked about what happens to uh, a lot of these, you know, fighters at the top of their game. And they spent their entire lives in the, in the grind. The fight business is a tough business. I mean, the music business is a tough business. And they get to the top of their game. They get that big paycheck. Now there's a fork in the road, right? Because yeah. now you've got access. Now you're comfortable. You're somebody. You're comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's what I want to drill into a little bit. Because while people listening to this podcast might not be an aspiring DJ, they are aspiring to something in their business, in their life, in their career, in their families. And maybe they've reached that place of comfort and how you got, how you made yourself uncomfortable again so you could go back to actually your music roots and yes, you, ha you have to make yourself uncomfortable if you wanna be back, you can be comfortable. And I'm never comfortable. And, 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 and my be I think one of my biggest inspiration is to see my, my, my best friend, David Guetta, the tribe that he has and and how many hits this man has oh my god he's a monster and he still works like he has nothing yeah he's a sweetheart of a human being too I mean, he's the best human being yeah but i never seen somebody work like sometimes i look at him and i feel bad about myself because i think i don't i don't work hard <laughs> you know because i'm like this guy could retire right now with so many hits yeah and he's still working like he's a little kid but this is what I'm talking about. He's yeah. always putting himself in a situation that like, like he doesn't think about what he has and he keeps going. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, so many, so many athletes, celebrities, you know, A-listers, entrepreneurs, they, they dominate their game for a short period of time and then they lose it. It's, I think it's really interesting to hear that you actually had a two-year kind of hiatus where you were wandering around and you finally just said, you know what, I'm going to go back to my roots. I'm going to make music for my friends. And then mm -hmm. bang, it happens to you again. Yeah. Um, so I think for the people that know you, they know about your music career. I certainly know about your music career and I love your songs, love your music. I've danced to them for years. Not very well. I'm a terrible dancer. Um, but talk about the transition into, into, into movies. You've done four movies. You've been on four movies with Mark Wahlberg. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously a really interesting actor. How, how, did, 
how did that transition occur? Well, to be honest with you, my friend David Gretman helped me a lot in my career and uh, introduced me to the right By the people. way, he's yes, he's been a massive force in my career too. Yes. So I he's amazing. He's shout the best. Out to Dave Gretman. Shout out to Dave Gretman. He he's the best in the in the business with that, yep. and he's a friend, and he's looking out for me every if time. He's on your side. He's on your he's side. He's always uh, introducing me to the right people. He introduced me to Michael Bay. He introduced me to Peter Berg. And became friend with what them. What you say? This guy's a DJ, but he'd be a good actor. Yeah. Like, what you no, it, it, I, I started. What I did is I started making music. So in Pain and Gain, I got two songs uh, um, in the movie, mm -hmm. and then Michael threw me in the movie. You know, doing right. something that was a small part. And then uh, one time, Peter Berg was doing this movie, Deep Water Horizon, and me and Grutman went up and uh, got in the movie with yeah. Mark, and we had a each one of us had a scene in the movie. Uh, it was it was amazing amazing experience working with Kurt Russell, uh, Mark Robert, and uh, uh, Kate Hudson too, which is wow. a good friend now. And so we did that. And then after that, I mean, obviously Dave doesn't care about these things. And just, right. You know. So after that, Peter Peter did another movie, Mile Twenty Two. Uh, went to Colombia for a week with him. I became very close to Peter Peter Berg. I love him. He's a genius. Mm. Love what he does. And um, he actually did the, this movie um, on um, painkillers, which is on uh, Netflix right oh, now. Oh, that's the one on. That's Peter Berg. Oh, really? Talks it's, about, it's the one yeah, about talk, the opioid crisis. Correct, the, correct. Yeah, which is incredible. If nobody uh, seen it yet, you have to watch it. It's right. incredible. Uh, so I went there, shot that Mark Wahlberg again, uh, and then we did Patriot Day, uh, uh, Marathon Patriot bombing. Day. Yeah, we did that. So cool. it's a thing that I'm doing because I'm friend with them. It's fun to act, but it's yeah. not really my career. It's just like you know, I do those things on the side. But it's it's amazing. You know, my father, he's a salty old Navy captain, and he used to say it was the best definition of life I'd ever heard, and. He said, you know, life is what happens to you when you're on your way to doing something else. Yeah. Right. So your biggest song happened when you were kind of on your way to doing something else. Yeah. You know, there you are, you're making music for your friends. And then you're like, holy shit. Yeah. I got a top 40 song. <laughs> I got a Grammy in my hand. I mean, this yeah. is crazy. I'm acting next to, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times we... We put a level of expectation on ourselves, just like you you said, and we create this expectation. We set ourselves up for failure because we we don't let our passion drive us, mm -hmm. and we we set this unrealistic expectation, and then by not achieving it, we we start to have less and less confidence in ourselves. So I think it's a great point to say, get back to what you love to do, relax, yeah, and and, and enjoy, and let do. life be something that happens to you when you're on your way to doing something else. Exactly. Um, you know, I want to talk about our journey for uh, okay. um, a minute because, you know, uh, being a DJ, world-renowned DJ, and traveling in the nightclub business isn't particularly known for the place of optimal health. Yeah. Right? Um, drugs, alcohol, late nights, um, you know, especially for a DJ, the travel, um, the time zone changes, just the hours that you've got to be on set. And the fact that you have to be present enough to put the right energy into the crowd. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to show up. You don't have a choice. So we started our journey about two years ago. I remember when we first met, uh, you were saying, look, my goal is I want to be as optimal as possible. Exactly. I want to be a superhuman. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, you don't drink, you don't do drugs. So you, mean no. you don't have you don't have the bad habits anyway. But you were like, I really want to dial the diet in, the hydration, the supplementation. We pulled... 74 biomarkers in your blood. We pulled another five genetic markers and you started on the protocol for supplementation and what have you. So talk a little bit about 
how that's impacted your life and like what are some of the rules that you have for travel for for staying in a hotel for trying to keep up with your sleep your diet what have you well when when i started i was not worried about any of that so i was going you know when you're young you don't really worry about anything yeah. so i was traveling uh, i was not sleeping very well i was sleeping two hours uh, a day um, i was eating very bad and i was getting sick a lot mm. right so when i seen that you know my career was you know doing better i i, I start thinking i have to change something if i want to you know keep going in this mm -hmm. so the first thing that i changed i mean that that we changed when we start working i mean i start making changes by my schedule the way i fly right i wanted to make sure to get my my sleep because you fly a lot I yeah mean. i fly a lot so i wanted to make sure like that I could sleep at least eight hours every time, mm -hmm. you know, so no early flights, no two hours of sleep anymore. So I, I, I changed that. My so diet, you started scheduling your scheduling travel Scheduling my travel your around my sleep, yeah, to have right. better sleep, right? So that's very important. Mm -hmm. For me, sleep is the most important thing. Uh, and I think you talk about this, yeah, like no how important question. sleep is. Uh, to work out to make sure that when I get to the city, I get my workout in. Mm -hmm. Because I, I became very big in working out every day, which I was not working out mm -hmm. at the time. So uh, you're planning like the hotel that you might stay in. I have to make sure the gym they is have there. have a gym. Correct. As the gym, right. get my workout in, that I, that I continue from the week that I started on Monday, I keep my workout in uh, everywhere that I go. Before I was not working out at all. Mm -hmm. I was not sleeping and I was eating bad. Mm -hmm. I changed my diet. I start intermittent fasting, right. which, I remember when we started yes. that. So we started intermittent fasting, which very uh, changed my life. At the beginning, it was very hard. And then I could not live without it. It's, if you tell me right now, have breakfast at nine in the morning, there's no way I can do this. Right. I, it will ruin my day. Yeah. And right. I remember you, you, you weren't like that. And I know everybody is not a candidate for intermittent fasting. We looked at your blood work and you had, uh, there's a marker in the blood work called hemoglobin A1C. It's a three-month average of the blood sugar. This was elevated. the The insulin was 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 elevated, and and we talked about it. And I remember you said, "Were well, some ways that I can get this down?" And I said, "Well, um, you could do intermittent fasting." Mm -hmm. And we started talking about a fasting program. And I remember it was difficult for you yeah. in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, if you've been watching the Ultimate Human podcast for any length of time, you know that one thing I do not do is push products. I do not just let any advertiser into this space because I believe that the products that appear on the Ultimate Human podcast should be things that I use every day in my life to improve my own physiology. One of them is something called the Echo Go Plus. The Echo Go Plus is a hydrogen water generator that you can take on the go. You essentially take the top off of this bottle, you pour bottled water in this, and repeatedly it will make high part per million hydrogen water. You press this little button, you'll see these bubbles going up in the water, that's hydrogen being created in the water. There are all kinds of peer-reviewed published clinical studies on the benefits of hydrogen water, including reduced inflammation, better absorption of your supplements, better absorption of your foods, better balance of the stomach acid, and it feeds an entire class of bacteria in your gut. Hydrogen water, in my opinion, is the most beneficial water that you can drink, and now you can take it wherever you go. You can go to echo, E-C-H-O, H-2-O.com. That's echo, E-C-H-O, H-2-O.com. Enter the code ultimate10 for a discount, echo H-2-O, entered the code ultimate 10 for a discount and now 
back to the Ultimate Human Podcast. Um, so now talk about you know, what's your eating schedule like now? So my eating schedule is my first meal is at three in the afternoon, last meal, sometime even more, four or five in the afternoon, uh, last meal, 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. That's my that's uh, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. sometime, mm -hmm. uh, depends where I'm at. Um, the food that I eat when I'm in town in my house, everything is organic, mm -hmm. non-GMO organic, like you told me to do. Yeah. Uh, fruit, very important, like you talk about, yep. that, it's, that it's very important uh, because of the pesticides that's on it. And, and I remember you told me that uh, when you wash the fruit, you can actually <laughs> reuse the water and pesticide again, yes. all the fruits with it. Yes. This is how bad it is. Yeah, in, in non-organic. Non-organic uh, food, yes. So correct. you go organic on your fruits, you're eating in a window from, from 3 to 8 p.m., so correct. about a five-hour window. Yeah. And... For people that have never intermittent fasting, talk about the struggle. How much of a struggle is that now? It's just what you do. This is right? just what I do. It's part of my life. It's very yeah. easy. Yeah, it's very it's easy. easy. It's very easy. It's 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 um, the only thing that's difficult for me is when I travel to control what I eat. Right. Mm -hmm. So I try to, for example, when I get to a city, uh, I make sure my tour manager goes to Whole Food and gets me. The organic foods, mm -hmm. the, my water. I only drink Mountain Valley water, which right. is you know in glass bottles, uh, one of the best water to drink. Very true. Uh, I also change that. <clears throat> um, I carry my you know non-GMO uh, sea salt, you yep. know, with me, so I can use that. <laughs> the guy is I mean, carrying his own sea salt, <laughs> yes. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so this is this is what I do. I carry this my is sea salt. Some next level and shit here. I'm very big on not using any seed oil, sunflower oils and everything. And as you know, a lot of restaurants are cooking with that. Right. So one thing that I learned, if I eat at a restaurant, I'm going to ask the chef to cook with butter. Right. If I do a steak, I'm going to mention that I want the steak to be cooked in butter, which right. is much better for you than seed oils. Right. So there's a lot of tricks like this that I can do. So would I, I would love to be home all the time and, yeah. and follow my diet, but I cannot. So that's what I try to do on the road and stay healthy. And what kind of impact has that had on um, the wear and tear that travel takes on? It changed my life. I mean, one thing that I can say is I don't get sick anymore. Yeah. I do not get sick since I've been on the program with you and uh, I changed my diet and, and, you know, the supplement that I'm taking. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sincerely, I'm never getting sick. No, you ever. look amazing. And, and um, you know, when, when you look at blood work there's there's something in there called the cbc the complete blood count and you can look at how strong some parts of the immune system are you know what your blood counts are of certain white white blood cells that that help you mount an immune defense and that has improved dramatically in your case but it's nice to take lab values like yeah. sugars going from high to low or insulin going from high to low or the amount of blood fat triglyceride going from high to low and relate that to how it's impacting your life Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you're, when you're on planes, so you're, you're fasting on airplanes. I'm fasting on airplanes. Uh, that's why I try to travel in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I get to the city and then I can do my things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm fasting. It's very easy on the plane. I drink a lot of water, coffee. Yeah. It's funny. I had, I had, I had uh, dinner at your restaurant, um, yeah. Matamushi in, in, in Aspen the other night with my wife, Sage and, and your wife. 
you were out of town. She goes, oh, man, Cedric's a pain in the ass when he orders. You're like, I want my steak cooked in butter. I want like, like he's, she told yes. me the exact same yeah. thing. That's what I do. She hates sitting with yeah, me. Yeah, but, it's, but it makes it makes such a difference. And and do they ever have a problem accommodating you? No, never, yeah. never. You can always ask a restaurant. They will do it for you. Yeah, and, and these are some of the little shifts that people can make to, to totally change the trajectory of their, yes. of their life. And I talk about, I like, you know, talking about little shifts that you can make that make a major difference in your life because there's people listening to this that don't travel yeah. at all so they they work at nine to five monday to friday there's certainly nothing wrong with that and they have they and they're not consistent at home about what they're eating mm-hmm. and yet with your travel schedule which is different time zones different cities different countries different food you set up like some rules yeah. and you stick to those rules and it's it's helped you in your career and it's helped you, you know, with, yeah, your, with your sleep I'm, and your I'm, immune system. I'm more focused. I'm, I'm getting better sleep, uh, better energy at, at everything, you know, uh, and I see it. I see it. It changed. Uh, two years ago, I was not like that. So, so, so now we know you made you, this is the next big shift you've made in your life. And I want to get back to that conversation about what makes somebody transition from having a moment to having a career how are you staying interested in music right now how are you staying interested and passionate about your career what do you what do you key into after having such a long career in in music winning a grammy and acting like what's next for cedric gervais in my head i still haven't made it really that's why that's why i'm You're still hungry here. i'm still hungry i haven't made it i, I don't think i accomplished anything yet that's mm. why I keep going, and if if I would put my manager here, he would tell you that I'm a crazy man because every time I call them, <laughs> I call them like I haven't done anything, and really? I and and, and I, I harass him like we need to do something, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like you need to chill out, you need to like, and and this is my mindset, right, right. I'm I'm not comfortable. I'm not. Where do you where are you getting your creative inspiration from now? Like in, earlier in your career, you got it from wanting to just make music for your friends. Yeah. Um, so where are you listening to other creative? people, listening to going out, listening to DJs, uh, listening to the music out there and, and, and performing in front of crowds every weekend. Mm-hmm. That's very inspiring. You get energy from the, that. the, the beauty of being a DJ is, which I think a lot of producers don't have, right. Is that we can make music and try it in front of a crowd on the weekend. Oh, in real time. In real time. Yeah. And then go just back in to the, the studio, in the go studio. back to the studio and change the thing that you want to change. And go back to the following weekend and try the record again ah, and perfect the record all the time. I never thought about that. See what I mean? So, so there's a certain connection you have with that crowd, like right. a certain energy. And you're right. like, they're so catching you see, you see if a record works and yeah. it doesn't work. As some producer, like massive producers are going to make a record in the studio. And then they're going to be like, okay, let's let's release that and see what happens. Yeah, yeah see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Which so is, you can just... You can fail you can in see. small increments. Yeah, yes, I love you that. You can see. Some yeah. record works, some record don't. Some you have to tweak, some, you know what I mean? And that's the beauty of, of DJing yeah. and be on the road. What do you think makes the difference between a good DJ and a great DJ? I'll, I'll tell you what somebody told me one time, and I th- and it made a lot of sense. Um, Roman Zago, who was a yeah. partner of mine in a nightclub years ago called mm-hmm. uh, Mint Lounge. I remember he he when he was trying to get DJs and talent, you know, he would say the difference between a good DJ and a great DJ is the transition. And I was like, what do you mean the transition? He was like the transition between songs, because 
the crowd should never feel an abrupt stop and an abrupt start again, mm -hmm. right? Like if you break things up too much, um, then you sort of break the momentum and the energy of the crowd, right? right. But what do, you, what do you think makes the difference between a good DJ? Well, I think be, being, being an amazing DJ is like, there's two different, I mean, there's so many different DJs, right? You have the, for me, it's like when you're a DJ, you have to tell a story, right? You mm -hmm. have to like uh, take people on a journey, like have, you know, I used to, I, I come from a different era of DJ, which mm -hmm. I have to start from the beginning of the night, warm up the room, get people walking in, have them dancing, take mm -hmm. them somewhere to the end of the night, right? Right. For like five hours, six hours. It's a long right? It's process. a long journey. Yeah. Now you have this kid coming, they get success, they get put on, and they play for one hour. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. So it's very, I think is, there's an art in DJing, you know, it could be a hip hop, it could be open format, it could be any kind of music. Mm -hmm. There's always like telling a story and keeping like people dancing and having a great time. Are right? you ever adjusting in real time? Like, you have you to adjust. The crowd you're you're like, they're not feeling this, I'm gonna, uh, you have to adjust. I had this plan, but I'm gonna shift. You can, I mean, you can tell when you walk to a place. I can tell when I walk to a place, I'm like, I'm gonna have to change my style. I'm gonna have to play different. Really? I'm gonna have to go in a different way. I'm like, but this is when you have like this in you, right? Right. It's this this is not, but then you have DJs that have pre-recorded set that goes everywhere and play the same thing. But right. those are producers that became DJs. Right. <laughs> right. It's a big difference. Like they had a big record and then they put on the road to being a DJ and they have no idea what they're doing. They're learning as they go. Right. So it's 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 where you you really are in live format. You're yeah. And, and you're in that booth sometimes and you go, I was going this direction, but based on what I'm feeling from the crowd, I'm, I'm going to go in a different up. direction. Yeah. I, I never know what record I'm going to play. I'm really? going to play the same record uh, many times, but in not the same order. Ah. You never know I, when I show up what I'm going to play. Yeah. You know, even here I live, when I play live my residency, I, I never play the same song in the same order. Mm. Uh, you're going to hear same songs, right? Right. But, never in the same order because you have to create a vibe and some people sometimes you don't know they start drinking you don't know at what level they are you know right, like you, right. you, you look at them you don't and sometimes you show up the energy is insane and it starts right away it's always different so you just start pounding on the yeah, crowd you have right to away. feed yourself with the energy of the crowd and then yeah. this is something that you have to learn how to i, do I imagine you can't really stand on a crowd too hard for too long like you got to kind of give them a little bit of a yeah. break i mean it depends the, the amount of hours you're playing Mm -hmm. Right, it could be. I remember this DJ Danny Taneglia, which was a legend from New York. He used to do like ten-hour sets, twelve-hour sets at space. Oh my yeah, God. And he would take you on journeys, like it would be like fast beat and downbeat, this and that, and people would dance for like twelve hours. But then you would give them rest and then go back up. It was like, it was just a, a crazy experience. Now all the you know everything is like very short, very like they want it now. Now everybody's there right. with their phone watching. You know, right? It's it's a different uh, era. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's got to be an interesting part of your career too, because when you started, the cell phones were not in the nightclubs. No. I mean, it, and they went, they heard that music, they went home. But now. I mean, I've been in the DJ booth with you. I mean, it's like thousands of phones just pointed at you. So all that's out all over social media mm -hmm. everywhere, which you is good. You play a song, they yeah. shazam it, they know what it is right away. Yeah, yeah, they shazam yeah. it right, right away, and then, they, and, and then they're recording you. So, so again, 
so now that you're at this point in your career, um, you're focused on your health, which I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of yours. And I'm a huge fan of the discipline that you've shown because you have been very, very disciplined. You know, some, sometimes when I'm working with different people, you, you, you try things, they go off the wagon, you know, they go back on the wagon. You basically got on the wagon and never got off. Yeah. Um, if anything, you've improved the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you've got travel hacks that you use. You've got sleep hacks that you use. You look great. You're in, you're in fantastic shape. It's obviously affecting your career. Um, so when again, where do you see Cedric Gervais? I love the fact that you said I don't feel like I've done anything because mm -hmm. I I think that that mindset, that hungry young mindset that you're sort of tapping into back when you were in a small club in France at 19. Um, is a different mindset than, than the one that you tap into after you've won a Grammy and you're like, hey, I'm already here. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love that because people can actually reorient the way that they approach their career and they can try to find that hunger again for their, for their business, for their music, for their career, for their, you know, for their marriage or what have you. So what's next? Where's, where's Cedric Gervais over the next five years? What? Where does he go? I'm, I'm, I'm making a lot of music right now at the moment and also doing different business. I mean, are there artists that you have, a, I would love to work with? Oh, this this artist. So like, this you could work with one artist. Like, who would it be? Uh, I, think, I think it would be The Weeknd. The Weeknd? Yeah. yeah. I love The Weeknd. Bruno Mars is one of my yeah. favorite artists. There's many artists I would he's, love to He's work one with. of those two. I mean, obviously, I know some of, some of his songs, but I was in uh, Vegas with this Swedish house guys and they're like, Hey, we're going over to, or with Alesso. And he's like, Hey, I'm going over to the, the weekend's concert. And I was like, ah, I'll go over there with you. And then I sat there and I was like, he does that song. He does that song. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does that song. He's massive. He does that song. Yeah, no, I couldn't believe it. It was yeah. like nine of 10 songs. I, the weekend is person. Yeah. yeah he's, so you'd love to do an album with him. Not or, an album. Just, a yeah. A song. A I would love to do a song. Uh, the weekend. I mean the weekend, I don't know if you know, but the weekend started his career as giving his music for free. He was signed to nobody, and you would sign up to a website, which I was signed up to the website, mm -hmm. and when he would drop an album, you will get it for free. Wow. Back in the days, yeah. And I would get his album for free. And he was producing that music. He was producing everything, singing everything, and giving it away to his fans for free. He was signed to no label, mm. didn't want to be signed to anybody, and that's how he blew up and created his crowd. Wow, yeah. and so would DJs like you take that music and yeah like, i mean use some I, of his vocals time, yeah, and things I, I like would, that i was just listening to his music yeah. i was a fan uh but then he became massive after you know mm. after that who, who are some of the um in your career so far who's some of the favorite artists that you've worked with i mean working with lenny kravitz must have been pretty cool yeah that was that was very cool i mean that's a that's a living legend that was very right cool there. lenny 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 by the way is a very uh, uh when it comes to health he's very oh yeah he's a friend now and mm -hmm. He's very strict with his health. He's the right. same, you know, he's an amazing, amazing yeah, guy. Yeah, he and I have been down the rabbit hole on that before, Yeah, no, too. He's, he's unbelievable. Uh, him, Lana Del Rey, I worked with Miley Cyrus, working with Madonna was pretty crazy, uh, you know. Um, and when you collaborate with these artists, is it, um, is it kind of the, their way or the highway, or are they really coming in and kind of collaborating with you? What's it like to work? It's with always some of those different. Iconic legends. It's it's always different. Okay, you know, it's it's not. Lenny was very cool. I yeah. I, I did uh, Stillness of Heart from his album. 
um, worked with him. Um, so you took a song of his and, and then it. yeah, and did in my version. Then I went to his house, played it for him, and he actually he was listening. And I was like, I didn't know what he was thinking. He was listening to it. And at the You're end, like, he goes, "You blew my mind, man. This is incredible." And no, I was, I was a little kid. I was looking at Andy Kravitz like this. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, did he just say that?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, some artists they just let you do it. Like I worked with Juanes, which is a, an incredible uh, legend from Colombia. Mm -hmm. We did a song together and he came in, we worked together and he was like, he didn't understand because he's a rock artist, right? He's like, mm -hmm. well, how are we going to do this? So I, I just told him, I said, listen, just write a, you know, one of the songs that you will write like a ballad and then just give me the vocals when you're done. And then i done the song, brought it back to him and he was like, oh my God, this is incredible. You know what I mean? Because that's the cool thing about your style of music too, because you can take rock, house, hip hop, you yeah. know, pop, even like a funky blues tune, mm -hmm. and you can kind of kind of put your your spin to yeah. it and really put it on a different stage. Yeah, you know. Hey guys, as you know, I do not push products on my podcast or by social media unless I use them in my everyday life. This is one of those products. Most of us have a very difficult time meeting our protein needs and certain protein sources like whey protein and others can be as little as 20% absorbable. This is 99% absorbable and it has all of the essential amino acids that the body needs to build lean muscle, to recover, to improve our exercise performance, and most importantly, to repair after we have intense exercise. So this is called Perfect Amino by Body Health. It's like I said, 99% absorbable. It only has two calories. Eventually the caloric intake has virtually no caloric intake. It will not break a fast. It tastes amazing. You mix it in water. I take this literally every single morning. If you're working out in a fasted state, you have to take a full spectrum amino acid prior to your workout to preserve your lean muscle and make sure that you're recovering properly. And again, it will not break your fast. So the caloric impact is virtually zero. You get all of the full spectrum amino acids. It tastes wonderful. I use it every single day. You can go to bodyhealth.com forward slash ultimate. That's bodyhealth.com forward slash ultimate and look for the perfect aminos they actually come in capsules if you're on the go or it becomes in several flavors that they make in a powder which i love it's flavored with natural um uh, means of flavoring so there's no artificial sweeteners in here so this is one of my absolute favorite products give it a try if you're working out at all you need a full spectrum amino acid go to bodyhealth.com forward slash ultimate that's bodyhealth.com forward slash ultimate i love their lab tested products you can actually see the absorption rate for all of their products they've got great electrolyte protein combinations my favorite is the perfect aminos bodyhealth.com forward slash ultimate and now back to the ultimate human podcast so Lenny Kravitz, you know, some of these other artists, who did you say was an artist that you- Miley Cyrus as well. Miley Cyrus. Yeah, it was cool to work with her. Yeah. What did you guys do together? So we did the song, Adore You. Mm -hmm. and, uh, she wanted me to, to work on that song. And at the time, I, 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 I think I was saying no to, to remix that song. And I remember one time- Why is I, that? I, it, she, it was at the time that she started, she was a little crazy and doing mm -hmm. all these things. And I was busy doing other things. And I remember I get a phone call. I'm like, yo, uh, what's up? Why, why don't you want to work on my song? I'm like, who's this? She goes, it's Miley. <laughs> I'm like, what? No way yeah. she called you. Yeah. That so, kind of sounds like something and she then, did. And then she came down to Miami uh, with her mom. I went to hang out with her. I live. 
And then I did the song. I, I, I remixed the song Adore You, which is an incredible song. Mm -hmm. and she's super cool. But the fact that she called and asked, and, and yeah, I think I love that. Yo. when she was such a huge artist, I, I thought it was super cool because why would she call me? You know what I mean? Right. And, and I did it. She was such a great, uh, uh, and the song did amazing. So, yeah. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I mean, the health journey, the music journey, you're clearly almost in your mind at the beginning. Yeah, um, I am. Again, and I think that's a great point for people to leave with. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know about Cedric Gervais and and your career? And what what's one piece of advice you would give to a young DJ like yourself starting out 19 years old and wants to break into this career? Um, I think is um, the advice that I would give somebody that starts now at 19 years old is to really work on your craft, right? Mm -hmm. Don't look at the, uh, because right now what everybody sees is, is this, this guy up there on stage putting his hand up in mm -hmm. front of thousands of crowd and, and the kids are like, this is where I want to be, that's what I want to do. But I think they have to see the work that goes into that mm -hmm. to get there. Right, because I it, it was not handed to me. Right, I had to yeah. work for it, and some some gets handed, you know, to them, and and then they're here for like a, a quick minute, and then they're yeah. gone. So really put the work and see how much work you have to put into this and what comes into it. And it's, it comes to like when we're talking about athletes, right? There's so many few athletes that are there and the best in the world, but why are they the best in the world, right? Mm. Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, LeBron James, Tom Brady, why? Mm. Is the dedication to the work, right? Mm. The hours they put in, day in, day out, right? When they're not Into on this. the stage, yeah. And this is why they're on top, and this is why they're the best in the world, right? Kobe Bryant, like all these people. And yeah. I think that's what a kid should look at. And what comes in, and I mean, look at David Guetta. David yeah. Guetta comes from the same background that I come from, right. from nothing, DJing, learning, producing, you know. Was there ever a time that you really just wanted to throw in the towel and quit? Were there those low moments yeah, along no, the I, road of, where you were like, Of course, many moments, many, many moments, because everybody, you have to understand this, everybody loves you and you're, you're as good as your last record. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So when, when, your last record is getting old people are like oh whatever yeah and you start feeling like so you you feel all this love and all of a sudden you don't feel this love anymore and you start like questioning yourself and you're like oh my god what's going on here where I am i going i'm not done producing what's... yeah yeah there used to be this show um i used to love to watch it called one hit wonders yeah <laughs> and you would always know the song and these people would spike and hit you know, they would have this one hit wonder and then you'd never, and then you'd never hear about them again. And that's yeah. some of what I hope we tapped in into today. Yeah. Um, Cedric, this has been amazing, man. I'm really appreciative that you took the time to come on the show today. I end all my podcasts the same way by asking every guest what it means to them to be an ultimate human. What does it mean to you to be an ultimate human? Uh, to me, it means that I'm 44 now, and I feel like I'm 20 years old. Awesome. That's what it means to me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to end with that. Um, and now, as always, guys, thank you, Cedric, for joining us today on the Ultimate Human Podcast. You're an absolute thank beast. Thank you, my brother. You're a good friend. And as always... 
that's just science.